Hey, do we have show notes for this? Uh, yeah. Can I get a link? Look, I woke up, I rolled out of my trailer, and I walked on set. Drink in hand. <laughs> Drink in hand. We we should do this uh, when we're on the cruise, like Mad oh. Men style, and just oh start gosh, drinking yes. from like lunchtime. I think that all great podcasts have a drunken episode. <laughs> Let's do this thing. All right. So, Matt, what's going on this week? Well, first bits of feedback came in about the podcast. Uh, we had nearly 1,500 listens now, which, like, you know, we're, we're fairly new at this. This is the first podcast I've ever made, and, you know, we're talking about some fairly, like, niche things. I, I'm really happy with that. Uh, people seem really positive about it. That's really cool. Like, that's, that number seems like a lot. I think that it's probably not a lot, but that's those sound like good numbers. Yeah. And the feedback, obviously, for the two releases that came out this week have been, like, overwhelmingly good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One Password for Mac is now out uh, for Mac OS Mojave with Dark Mode and the Safari app extension and... Oh my gosh, all sorts of great stuff in that in that release. Fixed a lot of little bugs here and there. Very, very cool update. I always watch Twitter after a release, right? I always I always want to see what people uh what people are saying. One, uh, to see if people say good things, and also if someone is gonna report a problem to us, it's gonna be on Twitter because that is the point of least friction for them to just get a hold of us and be like, hey, this is broken. Uh, so I will always watch Twitter to see what's going on. And uh, it's been cool to see people saying things like, oh, of course 1Password is there on, on day one with an amazing looking dark mode app in Mojave. The other one that I haven't seen a lot of, which I've been very happy about, is that we changed from having a, a separate browser extension that you would go off to the Safari extension gallery on Apple's website and you would download that and install that to bundling the extension right in 1Password itself. That's a drastic change with lots of moving parts, and it seems to have mostly worked great for for almost everyone who's updated. A couple of people have said I had to restart my browser uh, to get it working, but for the most part, that transition, which I was pretty concerned about, went very, very smoothly. So it's it's been good to see. That's really cool. So the other thing that we have, I'm actually going to like a trade show this week. It is a cybersecurity trade show. So if you are going to IP Expo this week in the London Excel Center, look me up, say hi, and I'll be wearing a One Password t-shirt. I have some stickers to give away, but not too many. So, like, don't bundle. <laughs> You're just going to be mobbed with people beating down your door for, for stickers. It'll be great. I hope so. I hope to see some people there that know about One Password. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always nice to meet people. I, I always remember I was on a flight to Canada once, and the pilot came up to me because I was wearing a 1Password t-shirt. And he was a commercial pilot, but he also flew freight. Oh, okay. So his freight was expensive cars. And so what he did was he took down the serial number and all all these kind of things of of the cars. And because it was, you know, confidential, because these cars had been bought by people, um, he kept it in 1Password. So he had a whole vault that was just, like, pictures of cars and, and all the, like, write details and all that kind of stuff and he just kept it for his own records it was amazing and a very odd use case but you know i'm always interested in people using the product in ways that perhaps it wasn't meant for but they really enjoy um and yeah i mean if you have a similar story of of you're using one password to i don't know like keep a record of cats i don't know (laughs) uh then yeah get in touch we love to have 
things like that. It's always very humbling for me to talk to people like that too, because it reminds me that the product that we create is essential to many people's like daily lives, which sounds aggrandizing, but it's more, it's, it's kind of the opposite for me. It's like, <laughs> we have a big responsibility with this app to hear things like that this guy keeps meticulous records of expensive cars in there it's like oh my gosh yeah all right let's make sure that we never ever screw that up <laughs> yeah yeah that's it how about uh, how about we jump into some watchtower weekly matt what's going on in in the in the world of security this week okay so before we get to like you know the the biggest thing that has happened this week there was a, a still important one um but the an ncix I don't know whether it's N6 or NCIX, but yeah, the uh, they're a big deal in Canada, and they were declared bankrupt in 2017, and someone bought all of their servers and all of their equipment and stuff like this, like as you would in a in like an end of thing sale, right? Sure. Yeah. The only thing was 13 terabytes of data, including names, email addresses, phone numbers, account passwords. Uh, full credit card details were all still on the servers. Wow. Which is just, like, mind-blowing how that happens. Yeah. No, that's awful. So within one pass, did people have, like, NCIX logins? Like, was this a, a service where people had a login there, and so they're able to be contacted? Like, what's the recourse for these folks? It was a an electronics retailer. So, yeah, I, I imagine you'd have a, you know, a login in one password, and... Yeah, I, I believe it is now flagged by uh, Watchtower. Wow, that is a bananas story. Just, can you imagine? You're just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go get some, some cheap servers at this sell-off sale down down the road. And then you come home and it's like, oh, that's that's a lot of passwords and credit card numbers and everything else. Of course, the person that did this is also a complete deadbeat because they turned around and sold it on, on Craigslist. So maybe not, uh, maybe not great uh, in terms of the morals there. That's a crazy story that, again... A company with very poor uh, operational security is just putting a ton of people at risk. There's companies that have our passwords and our credit cards and everything t that are active right now that are storing their data in the exact same way. And it's it's really just, uh, I don't mean to be a bit of a fear monger, but I mean, it's just a matter of time before that stuff gets gets out there somehow. Yeah, exactly. It's it's nice to see, actually, uh, in, in the UK, there was a bank run by one of the largest supermarkets in in the uk supermarkets run everything in the uk by the way oh the, the supermarket mafia <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much so yeah this tesco's bank they were handling uh credit card details insecurely and they were fined so they were fined like 30 million i think it was so it's it's nice to see that the powers that be are are clamping down on on people dealing with data securely which is nice yeah absolutely so the the big one of the week. Oh, was, was there something else that happened, Matt? Was there something, another thing we should talk about? There was. Oh, okay. What, what was that? It's all over the news. And it's interesting. When something happens to Facebook, it always gets reported on mainstream news. Oh, yeah. No one reports on this, uh, you know, NCIX thing. It's a Canadian company. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And it's kind of morbidly interesting about how that came about. But CNN aren't covering that. Their ears kind of uh, perk up when you hear the word Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. They noticed that people were stealing tokens or, or someone was stealing tokens. So I believe there's a feature where you can view someone's profile. As another person. Yeah. And you could just go into that and find the token and then you would be able to basically 
you know log in as that person so this wasn't there's no password breach here this is this is really just a uh, basically an authentication breach that this is uh, someone is able to impersonate someone else effectively through public means using a feature that exists or existed on facebook yeah uh, i mean the interesting one is that if you are cautious about things and you know log out of all sessions constantly you're fine because the token is only good for one session right so yeah facebook have, have said you know there's no no need for anyone to change the password that being said i'm still gonna change my facebook password <laughs> instantaneously yeah yeah so what i found interesting is that the the sort of follow-up to this potentially even more egregious uh was that if people have used the feature, which you've seen all over the web, of uh, sign in with Facebook, right? You go to a new website and you don't feel like creating an account there, but they've got these social buttons where it's just like sign in with Facebook or sign in with Twitter. If you've used that feature to sign in with Facebook, then that account on that website is also potentially compromised by this vulnerability. So people could be logging into you know, various services that aren't necessarily connected to Facebook. And and that's that's where this starts to get a little bit more hairy. And it's honestly one of the reasons why I've never felt particularly comfortable about that feature. I, I rarely will use the sign in using feature because I just don't I don't necessarily trust Facebook's uh, operational security to have locked that down properly. And and I also kind of like having when I go to a new web service and I create an account there, I want it to be specifically tied to that service with a unique password so that if there's ever a problem in the future, like I really know what that damage is limited to and it's going to be limited just to that site with, with something like this first of all i don't typically use it but even if i had i don't remember all the places where i would have used sign in with facebook so uh, it makes it a lot harder to track down what potential damage could be done or could have been done like i i don't use sign in with facebook either but like i understand why people would because it's you know it's kind of easy and stuff like that but at the same time like you said you can never remember whether you've used that used another method like what i like about generating a a password for each one is that like i don't have to do anything from there right like it's it's stored i know where it is right the interesting thing is the person who did this didn't go for their bug bounty program because uh yeah facebook do have a bug bounty program and you know tying that in with with today's theme and and what, what we're going to talk to uh, jeff goldberg about yeah they have 900 bugs that have been reported uh and that's five million dollars that that facebook have paid out for bugs wow so I see that as a, a, a good thing. They pay generously uh, when when they receive a notice of a flaw and a working proof of concept, etc. Uh, I, th- I think that's a you know that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. This I I love hearing when companies have a bug bounty program. I mean, obviously we have a bug bounty program, um, and it's nice to hear that these exist because what it means is that these services are being put under the microscope of people who are very talented in terms of breaking into systems, but are also not nefarious. They aren't doing it for nefarious reasons. So the chances of them finding a vulnerability can be can be pretty high. And and the result is that it's going to make everyone safer. One thing that I, I do sort of want to close the loop on this news, make sure that we didn't skip over anything for people that are potentially just hearing this for the first time. I, I don't believe that anyone's potentially hearing this for the first time, but just in case. So you will have noticed that in various places, Facebook has logged you out. I noticed it in the Facebook app itself. It said, oh, we've we've signed you out. Just sign back in. Uh, and that is a result of this, of this particular vulnerability. Uh, so anywhere that you were signed in with Facebook, they should have invalidated all of those sign-ins and you'll be asked to log back in. 
Again, they said no need to change passwords. I'm still going to change my password. I'm also going to make sure that my two-factor authentication is properly enabled. I believe that it has been for a while, but you know, just sort of do a little bit of bookkeeping on, on my Facebook stuff and, and make sure it's okay. Cool. So let's go on to our actual questions from users. Are you saying, Matt, that we didn't need to make up questions this week? So this week we have more questions in Twitter than we can answer, which is a foreign concept to us. <laughs> yes, yeah, it sure is. So, Matt, what question do we want to answer first? I think first, I do want to like say that I'm sorry we can't read out all the questions. And, you know, we might get there eventually. And I do want to start rewarding some people somehow when they get their question read out on the podcast. I don't know yet what format that's going to take, but uh, I, I do want to do something. Can you imagine that if I promised everyone t-shirts, how much Sarah would just murder me in my sleep? She'd be so mad if I said, everyone gets a t-shirt if we read your question. She'd be apoplectic. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first question. One password. Sometimes I generate a password of the random password type. Why isn't the recipe formula random? I don't want to change the settings every time. I just want a random password. So this is fairly interesting. Like when you generate a random password, you get digits and you get uh, symbols. The emphasis is, I guess, that like you should move these about to generate more randomness. It's interesting. I, I, I would love to hear uh, Goldberg, who is our security expert, weigh in on this a little bit more. But the, when you generate a random password in 1Password, it is indeed random. What this particular person, I believe, is asking about is why aren't the password settings themselves not random? So why, um, for instance, if every time I generate a password, how come the length doesn't change every time? Or how come uh, the number of symbols that are included isn't different than it was before? Those settings are there in order for you to tailor the password to fit specific requirements on different websites. Some terrible websites say that you can only have a password that's eight characters long, but it must have a capital and it must have uh, a digit and it's got to have some some special symbols in it. Well, you can use the, the password recipe to tailor that. If we generated a password whose settings were random every time, you'd go mad just pounding on that refresh button until you found one that, that magically fit within that, that recipe. So that's why the recipe formula isn't random but the passwords it generates are absolutely random yeah the other settings like the word list password they are also random absolutely and also fantastically fun yes yeah sometimes more random in you know creating a story in your head about how they fit together more than you know normal randomness <laughs> cool so do you want to read the next question yeah uh at one password where is a good place to store your 2FA recovery codes? So this person is not asking about what app to use for two-factor authentication. Uh, by the way, the answer is 1Password. It's fantastic. Um, but where do you actually put the recovery codes? So I I also store the recovery codes in 1Password. I, I put them in a in a secure note uh, with attached to the item where I have the, the 2FA enabled. Those recovery codes themselves are obviously meant to fill the gap if for some reason you lose your your authenticator access. So now we start to get into the question of, well, if I don't have my authenticator access, which is 1Password itself, why would I also have the recovery codes? And so if you're suitably paranoid, you could certainly print these out and stick these in a safe somewhere. I think that that's probably your safest bet. If you're not concerned about losing access to, to 1Password, and, and I'm not sure why you would be, uh, just stick them in there. And then you can decide if you want to have like a uh, a concealed field for each one. I just stick them in the notes field. But, um, you know, if you're ever worried about people peering over your shoulder, uh, you, could, you could 
cut each one out and stick it into its own field and and conceal that whole thing. Matt, what do you got any? Uh, what do you do with your your two factor recovery codes? Yeah, I, I mean, I do store them in in one password. The reason for that is because some services have this horrible SMS thing, right? And yep. having moved between countries and having to change phone numbers, some services, uh, Twitter, for example, if you change phone and phone number at the same time and you have SMS uh, two-factor, which I believe they support other things now, right? They support authenticators now, but they didn't used to. Yes, I believe that's true. So like these backup codes in, in 1Password like saved my bacon because, yeah, you, you change phone and you change phone number and you don't get into your Twitter account anymore, which, you know, might be good for mental health, but also <laughs> creates an element of worry too. It's true. Yeah, you had some nice Indian gentleman who was getting your two-factor authentication texts because he's the same person that, that answered the phone when I called your old phone number the other day. <laughs> <laughs> they give away phone numbers quicker than you think they do. It's uh, it's kind of worrying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, should we have should we have Goldberg on? I think so. All right. Uh, let's let's get him in here. So joining us now is Jeffrey Goldberg, our chief defender against the dark arts. Welcome, Mr. Goldberg. How are you? Thank you very much. Uh, good morning. I am fine. I've had a cup of coffee. I'm doing great. One thing I like about uh, about your title is the amount of people that call you the chief defender of the dark arts. Like you're some sort of evangelist, like for the dark arts. I I, I always enjoy that. Wait, I didn't I didn't misspeak it, did I? No, no, you did not. Okay, good. <laughs> but a number of people do, and I, I have to try to correct them and say that I am on the good side. You know, maybe next time I should just say, you know, join the dark side. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of the Reddit forum, The Empire Did Nothing Wrong. Just like the chief defender of the dark arts. Sure. Look, there were some bad eggs, <laughs> Yeah. but like overall, it wasn't a bad movement, okay? Voldemort was completely <laughs> misunderstood, like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that, a dark arts apologist. You know, I can spin anything. So, Goldberg, do you want to tell folks a little bit about sort of what you what you do around here, how long you've been here? Oh, wow. These are really hard questions. A brief history of Jeffrey Goldberg. A brief history of Jeffrey Goldberg. Um, so developers around here know me as the person who occasionally looks at their looks over their shoulders and tells them no. I like to see it as I'm trying to help provide them tools to do things. But mostly I'd say that I get to enjoy my pathological compulsion to explain things to people. You know, security architecture, a lot of communication. When I started in April 2010, uh, so that was... Over over eight years ago. Over eight years ago. Thank you. Uh, all right. Well, why don't, we, why don't we dive in? And do you want to give a, give a little overview of what, why 1Password is actually safe? This is, like, this is one of those quintessential questions that people always ask. Like, why, what, what makes it safe? Like, why should I trust you people? I could go on for, for hours. But one of the reasons that it's safe is math. Math is what's behind what is end-to-end -end encryption. Uh, and what this basically means is that we've designed one password so that there's mathematically no feasible way 
we could get at anyone's secrets. And if we can't get at anybody's secrets, that means that nobody who compromises us uh, could get at anybody's secrets. Part of it as well is that we're paranoid so that you don't have to be. We've gone out of our way to have as little information about you as absolutely possible. So for example, if you're using 1Password and you've got a login, uh, let's say, I secretly love Nickelback.org. <laughs> this is not something that you would want us to know, obviously. And it's certainly not something that we would like to know about you. So it's not that we simply don't record such information. We've actually built 1Password so that we can't get at that kind of information. It's just not mathematically possible. And coming back to math, the math is really cool. The math is hard, you know, and it's a lot of fun. But in a sense, it's also the easy part of, of building a secure system for people. What you really want to do is design a system that makes it easy for ordinary people to behave securely and hard for them to shoot themselves in the foot. Security for us has never been a, okay, let's build a secure architecture and then try to throw a user interface on top of that. Um, it's, it's all very, very deeply integrated. You know, everything we do is designed to make it easier for people to behave securely. And this deep integration is also, I think, one of the several things that sets us apart. That's a great answer and so many things that we're doing, which is great. Uh, I, I do want to just point out, I know you use I secretly love nickelback.org uh, quite a lot. And I'm wondering whether that's one because you own it or two because you secretly love Nickelback. And I and I will just add, and and this is gonna both date me and everybody in the room lose respect for me. But my my first concert that I ever went to was Nickelback. Ah, <laughs> fantastic! I have absolutely no opinion about Nickelback. That's that's nice. <laughs> that's that's the equivalent of going, I you know, I, I feel sorry for you, and then someone turning around and saying, I don't think about you at all. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> all I know is that it's cool to hate them because all the cool kids hate them. So um, at least that was the case at the time when I constructed this example. <laughs> all right. It's probably a bit dated now. But as you can probably guess, there are some more embarrassing things that people could really have domains for. And I would rather not use genuine, plausible examples. That's very true. Yeah. No, that's true. Uh, so, Goldberg, I want to I kind of deep dive on something a little bit because I think that it's – I think this is an easy thing for people to overlook. Um, and you, you mentioned it briefly. You know, we – we here at one password can't access someone's data. And so, and that, as you said, that's because of math, right? Like we designed this such that only the people who own the accounts uh, and have the secret key and, and the master password can actually decrypt the data. Um, and it's, it's also why 
whenever someone writes in and says, I forgot my master password, can you reset it for me? Our answer is no, we cannot because we, we didn't know it in the first place. We could give you a new master password, but it's going to be just as worthless as, as the one that you've forgotten. We don't have any means to recover someone's data in that way. Yeah, this is this is a really, I mean, this is both really important that we build things this way, because if we do have if we did have the capacity to recover data, we would have the capacity to, well, get at the data. Most people, when they use passwords, they've used them for what's called authentication, for proving who they are to some system or service. They're going through a gatekeeper. And that is how everybody has used passwords all their lives. The 1Password Master Password is different. It's not used to prove who you are to let you into something. It is actually used to mathematically transform the data from a unusable gibberish to a usable form. And it's part of medical process. And so I'm not surprised when people don't believe us when they write in and say, can you reset but, you know, you know, can you give me a new master password? Can you go tell me my old one reset? Uh, often, you know, when we try to explain to them that, no, we can't, uh, a lot of people think that we can, but we won't. That's not the case. We really have built this so you can't. Now, of course, one of the things we have done in if you're part of a family or a business or some team in one password is we've set up this recovery system so that uh, certain members of that family can help with recovery. So we don't have the capacity to do that, but some other member of your family may have the capacity to do it or should have the capacity to do it. So we really recommend it. People do that as well as keep a paper backup of their master password and secret key. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so I want to kind of want to close out the segment a little bit uh, with a question that actually this is another ask one password question uh, that Sam S wrote in about on Twitter, and uh, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. But basically, Sam uh, he has recently switched to, to Linux uh, and he switched to a to a competing password manager and. He has a question about our bug crowd program. And he said, you know, I have a bit of a cloud. I have some some cloud paranoia, uh, but your bug crowd program is very interesting to me. And so I'm, I'm curious to know like, if you can talk a little bit more about it and and if any of the things on our bug crowd program, if any of the goals behind our bug crowd program have been hit um, and and, uh, you know, if, if we think that anyone's ever going to get that that top that top prize. So do you want to talk, give brief history of bug of our bug crowd program and then talk about some of the challenges there look you know there, there, there's mark Cluley's wonderful line there is no cloud it's just somebody else's computer and there's a there's a really good point it's good to remember that and so it is absolutely correct to be concerned about storing your precious stuff you know my precious on somebody else's computer um but sam should really be asking about this, but it's also important to listen to the answers. You know, it's, it's, it's not an asking the question in a rhetorical question than saying absolutely no. Um, now with the bug crowd program, we have several. So there's the, there's the password cracking 
challenge, or there's the just sort of overall bug bounty program for the whole service as a whole. And I'm not sure which one Sam would like to hear about. Uh, which one would you guys like to hear about? Let's go about uh, the one about 1Password as a whole. Okay, 1Password as a whole. So we use BugCrowd. We're really happy with BugCrowd. And, you know, any system is bugs. Anybody who says they've built an entirely bug-free system, you know, either lying or shouldn't be in the business. <laughs> you know, and you want many eyes... Um, looking for bugs, people looking from different perspectives, people looking at ways that you haven't thought of, because if you'd thought of them, you wouldn't have had the bugs, you know, particularly um, security bugs. And a lot of non-security bugs can, with enough cleverness, uh, be exploited and turned into security bugs. So we want people looking at this. So we've got this... Uh, this public bug crowd program. And one of the things that we were finding with it, after a while, we weren't really getting a lot of useful reports. We were getting a lot of things from people who, had, who hadn't actually really studied the brief or studied one password and were like pointing out that they don't like how our email configuration is set up. But not a lot of people who seem to be taking a deep dive. Um, and what we later learned is that the people who were taking a deep dive knew what they were doing weren't actually, they were, were working on it, but we weren't getting reports from them because they weren't finding anything. So we thought, okay, let's really motivate these people. And so we set up a flag. Um, when you sign up for, for, the, for the bug bounty program, you get to join as a guest a 1Password account, and there are various challenges in there. There's a graffiti wall, you know, that is, okay, you should be able to read this item, but you shouldn't be able to write to it. If you can write to it, write your name here, and you get a prize if you're able to do that. But we've got a top prize of some really terrible poetry that is in uh, an item in one of the vaults in this thing. And we thought, okay, let's really get people going for this. So we thought, you know, if somebody could actually decrypt somebody else's data in one of these vaults, it would be worth $100,000 for us to know that. And we did not know that at the time that was the highest reward uh, being offered through Bug Crowd. So it's there. We are trying to to motivate. Um, nobody has gotten that top prize. Um, and it's not there as a, ha ha, bet you can't get this. It's a, we want to see you try and we want to learn what you're doing to try because it's all about making one password safer. And I have no idea of whether I actually answered the question asked, but I think I'll shut up now. No, I think that you you absolutely did. It uh, it's a big topic to talk to talk a little bit about our bug program and, and more you know about deep diving into why the targets are set up such that they are. People ask about this top prize. They've asked me about this top prize before, and I say I will be incredibly surprised if someone happens to to capture that flag. It seems mathematically improbable that that would that, that would happen. Uh, something something else would have to give in order for for that to happen. What I really like about the system we've designed is that there's very little about it that relies on policy. It's protected through through math and and, and through encryption. It's not that Matt 
can't access someone's data because we've said that he can't. It's that Matt can't access someone's data because he can't access someone's data. It really is the case that we have tried to design this as much as possible, that it's not about computers or systems or people making decisions. Oh, should we let this person do that? But it's about these, you need to know certain secrets in order to actually mathematically be able to do certain things with data. And there's probably a better way of putting that, but but I'm just going to like say it as in 20 different ways and hope that one of them sticks. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, thanks. It's been it's been awesome to talk about the bug grab program and, and some other things that we have going to, to keep people safe. Uh, but I, I think that's just about all we've got time for. So thank you very much for coming on. And I'm, I'm sure we'll have you on again. Oh, well, thanks. This is a lot of fun. So that was a great uh, little segment from Mr. Goldberg there. I I love talking to Goldberg. Uh, as you might have gathered, those conversations can last a long time, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those people that is is so incredibly smart uh, that it takes. Um, I think it takes every every bit of effort he has to to reduce the crazy amount of thoughts going through his head at any given point down to. Uh, bite-sized sentences that normals can understand and happily he's really good at that uh, so that was that was fun I, I, I we should have him on again yes yeah we should uh, so Matt I think that we are at the point of the show uh, that it has become one of my favorite segments uh, but I'm, I'm gonna turn it around I told you I would uh, and I have a town name that I would like you to pronounce for me okay now this is as I mentioned in the last episode uh, strong Native American heritage here in the central New York area where I live, uh, and, and it has influenced many of the town names around here. Uh, and so here is the name of the town where I grew up. How would you say that? I mean, I'm going to try and do this like without offending anyone. Yeah, no, that's fine. But but I'm I'm pretty sure that's uh, scan eat less. Yeah, that's how people who aren't from. Skinny Atlas, say it all the time. Absolutely. Skinny Atlas. Skinny Atlas. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Yeah, it's 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 from the Iroquois name for Long Lake. Oh. You didn't give me a backstory. See, that's how this game works. You, you'll get it better next time. But you got to give me a story behind why it's named that. Although, I don't know what you could possibly come up with for this one, you know? Well, obviously, someone found an atlas um, <laughs> and, and realized it was a skinny one. Yeah. Yeah, we get that one quite quite frequently actually um it's it's not as easy to make up a story about this as it was about wyman ham but yeah all right well i guess that's that's kind of the end of uh episode three in season zero uh it was fun it was fun talking to you today and uh we should do this again soon love you Ru. all right love you matt bye <laughs> bye <laughs>